0: online and worldwide it's the black and blue report live sort of from studio b
1: here's sean kelly hey hey, it's game day welcome into the black and blue report we come to you from studio b partially this morning and from atlanta partially this morning what a great thursday this is hi again everybody i'm sean kelly thanks again for tuning in to the black and blue report we hope this certainly finds you well game day for the new orleans saints and uh rivalry time as the saints and falcons go at it tonight at the georgia dome that's seven thirty central on the kickoff coverage of course on the saints radio network coverage exclusively uh content that is on neworleanssaints.com saints.com and then on your television on the nfl network and thanks again to the nfl network They've provided us some great guests this week we hope that you have enjoyed those and tomorrow one more the uh Fantasy Editor from NFL.com and for the NFL Network, that's Michael Fabiano. He'll be on our program tomorrow. It'll be our first foray into fantasy football for this program uh, when Michael stops by. Again, that's tomorrow afternoon central. Big win for the uh, Pelicans last night, 2-0 now on the homestand. And it's a win they probably should have had, and uh, and they took care of business. 105-98, Pelicans beat the Jazz last night. Now 4-2 at home, 5-6 and overall and they even that series with the Jazz at a game apiece. Uh, 32 points in the fourth quarter after holding serve in the third. A nice run to end the third to match the Jazz 28-28 in that third quarter. So it set things up nicely, and another big night for Anthony Davis. He had 22 points, nine rebounds, and eight more block shots last night. Uh, it's crazy. I don't think... He'll uh, be long at number two in the NBA in blocks per game. I think Hibbert had a bit of a down night last night in that category, and so it wouldn't surprise me if we get on the air tomorrow night and uh, Anthony Davis is number one in the NBA in blocks per game. And how efficient was he shooting the ball? How about nine for 12 and four of six at the free throw line? So the Pelicans, big winners last night, 105-98. And a little bit later on today's Black and Blue Report, we're going to talk to Ryan Anderson. It is an extensive visit about the team And his start to the season. Now it's two games for Anderson after 26 against the Sixers last Saturday. Anderson last night, 19 points on 6 of 9 shooting, 4 of 6 from beyond the arc. So we have an exclusive one-on-one with Ryan Anderson this morning on the Black and Blue Report as well. All right, back to the Saints and the Falcons. We're going to get you set up with the voices today. The voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, joins us from Atlanta. Also in Atlanta is the voice of the Falcons. His second time on the program, it's West Durham. So Jim Henderson, then West Durham. Ryan Anderson about the Pelicans and their win last night and his start to the season. And then we'll wrap things up by taking you right to Atlanta where John DeShazer will join us for a couple of final thoughts here before kickoff tonight against the Atlanta Falcons. Producer Dan is here. Again, we're in Studio B. After this, I catch an airplane over to Atlanta, and I'll join you on NewOrleansSaints.com later today for that Saints and Falcons coverage. All right, so busy, busy program. We'll get right to it with the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, in just a moment.
0: This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sure, other fans are hungry for a win, but here in New Orleans, we make sure that you're well fed, too with tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. Loving the Saints is like the freshness of Cane's. All day, no quit. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, the official chicken of your New Orleans Saints.
1: All Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion, because we
2: know we can save you some money.
0: Follow us on Twitter at BlackBlueReport.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. The uh, tour of voices uh, is about to begin. West Durham a little bit later, voice of the Atlanta Falcons. But here on this Thursday, as usual but unusually here on a game day, is Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints. Jim, greetings. How is Atlanta? I hope all is well there.
3: Everything's wonderful, Sean. Looking forward to the game.
1: That city holds a near and dear spot to your heart, I know, because I think wasn't that your last stop before settling down to making your life in New Orleans?
3: Yes, it was. I worked for WSB Channel 2 in uh, Atlanta from 1975 to May of 78 when I came to WWL. So I enjoyed my time there, enjoyed the city. It was really my goal in the business was to get to WSB in Atlanta, and I was fortunate enough to get there on my path upward.
1: And because of your career, you've had to go back there, what, probably at least once a year, right?
3: Right, Mm -hmm. at least once.
1: And I I can't imagine it's the same Atlanta that you knew back early in your career, though.
3: This keeps growing and growing and growing, but fortunately, there's still some people there. In fact, uh, one of them is an an usher at the Georgia Dome, who I knew way back when Atlanta-Fulton County Stadium was in business, and he was an usher at the Braves game, so still a few people there, and I have a few acquaintances that I worked with at Channel 2 that I always manage to see when I go back, so it's always nice to get back to Atlanta.
1: Of course. New chapter in the Saints-Falcons series, rivalry, however you want to word it, and uh, I think a much different chapter than what we expected to happen at this point in the season, an 8-2 and team versus a 2-8 and team, and I thought they'd be much closer in record at this point. It hasn't played out that way, Jim, and uh, as most people have said, they're very surprised by that.
3: Yeah, when you looked at this uh, game on the schedule when it first came out, you would have said, well, this would be the game that at the time would determine who would be the NFC South leaders, and now uh, with a victory tonight by the Saints, the Falcons are eliminated from contention in the NFC South division with five games to go.
1: The largest margin of victory for the Saints in this series is 38 points. I know you'll remember back in 1987. Is there any way that we come close to that number, or because it is the rivalry it has become, are we much closer than that despite the records?
3: I think it'll be it'll be closer than that. You know, Sean uh, Payton has really done a great job against Mike uh, against. Uh, Um, Mike Smith and the Falcons, and he's pretty much owned them during his time on the same sideline, but um, this is a game that I think will be closer than most people think, and it's always tough to tell on a Thursday night, the short week, and usually uh, the team that travels on a short week, even though it's a fairly quick flight from New Orleans to Atlanta, is at a disadvantage, so um, I think it's going to be probably... Probably a sort of game that won't be very clean in many ways because I think it's difficult for teams to recover in such a short time.
1: With regard to the particulars of the ball game, as, as you'll see it from you know kickoff on, what's top of mind, Jim, for you in this meeting?
3: I think it's going to be how this St. defense, which has played so well and has been so aggressive, uh, takes care of the Atlanta offense. It's got a lot of changes uh, along its offensive line. And one of the things I made note of was during the Tampa Bay game, Three out of the five starters along the offensive line for the Falcons were either benched or moved to different positions along that line in the course of it. So they've had some major injuries there. Uh, they really missed Todd McCour, their longtime center. They've moved their current center to guard, back to center, back to guard, trying to find the right combination. And it's really resulted in uh, Matt Ryan feeling a lot more pressure than he has recently in years past. He's pressured on 40% of his dropbacks. And uh, with the Saints playing so well along the defensive line and bringing so much pressure with this aggressive defense, I think the key to the game as far as the Saints are concerned is how well they can um, take advantage of that offensive line of the Falcons that's sort of in a state of disarray.
1: Jim Henderson, voice of the Saints, with us uh, here on game day as the Saints prepare to play the Falcons tonight. Jim, for you, how much is the Jabari Greer slash Corey White storyline for you?
3: Well, I think it'll be uh, very interesting. Um, You know, he was having, Javari was having a really good year and a very popular player, very strong influence in the locker room, uh, almost a very spiritual player on this defense. So he will certainly be missed, but I think when Corey White gets a little bit more experience, uh, I think he's really going to be the heir apparent, would have been the heir apparent at that position anyway. And I think one thing Corey White gives you that maybe Javari Greer didn't is uh, better hands, more aggressiveness, and the possibility that um, that sort of aggression in those hands could lead to more turnovers than Jabari Greer was able to manufacture. because That was never really the strength of Jabari's game. Uh, His strength was in coverage, and he was also a very uh, aggressive defender despite his size against the run. But I really think Corey White gives you the opportunity to perhaps uh, manufacture a few more turnovers as he gets more comfortable.
1: Jim, I want to ask you a question about last week. I know we've been focused on today, but uh, yesterday sources say that uh, San Francisco's Ahmad Brooks was fined nearly sixteen thousand dollars for his hit on Drew Brees in the football game this last Sunday. Did the NFL get this one right?
3: I was a little surprised by that. I don't know uh, Ahmad Brooks' history. I don't believe that uh, he's incurred fines in the in the past. I don't think he's a dirty player. Certainly, Drew Brees said as much this week that. He regards him as a very clean and tough player. So I don't know if there's a history there. And if there isn't, I was a little surprised by that because I certainly don't think that was the intent. It certainly wasn't a vicious hit, it wasn't intended to be a vicious hit. It was mostly just a matter of circumstances. And I think Drew admitted as much. It's very difficult for some of these speed rushers coming off the edge to, to draw a bead and a target area as small as on a six foot quarterback who's bending over.
1: It's amazing uh, as you and I stood there and, and listened to Drew Brees speak about that and other factors around that in today's game. I, I guess even in the NBA or my time in college football or even my short time in the NFL, I've rarely been around someone who handles such such situations with the class that Drew Brees was. It was, it was as smooth as, and complete as I've ever seen yesterday.
3: I agree. Uh, everything he says seems to be right. He handles every situation with such a plumb. He's such a great leader, such a great spokesperson for this team in the face of the franchise. And every time when I get a chance to be around Drew Brees, uh, I I learn something about the game. And so uh, I learned something during that session the other day, and that was about I think you were there when I asked him about picking up a flag for a, a ball that's uncatchable. And he said that sometimes when he's in the pocket, he will look downfield, see his receiver tied up with the defensive back, actually throw the ball in that direction, hoping to get the official's eyes to look at that situation and draw a pass interference call. Now, sometimes when he does that, you don't want to put the ball too close to that defender because if you don't get the call and he intercepts it, then that's a turnover. But if you throw it too far over uh, your receiver's head, then they say that it's uh, uncatchable and they pick up the flag. But I, I never thought that he would have the presence of mind, and I guess I probably should have because he's such a complete player. To identify that going on downfield when there's so much else going on around him, and actually throw the ball in that direction to try to get a
1: flag—it's amazing. And when he has to raise his chin because he's on the shorter side to see over that line to see that—it's just—it's yeah. uncanny. All right, Jim, believe it or not, I've been getting many texts and emails about our Word of the Week uh, <laughs> challenge, um, and most say that you are cleaning my clock as far as the quality of words that is being presented in this series. So I tip my cap to you, and uh, and here we are at our our conversation for this week's games. Um, last week I let you go first, and you stole my word. Uh, so I will I will take the honor and go first this week, if that's okay with you. Sure, go right ahead. All right, Jim, in honor of the fact that the Oxford University Press this week has decided that the word selfie is the word right. of the year, um, right. and not only in, in any rare occurrence, usually it's different in England and the United States, but here this year, in the U.K. and the U.S. both, they've gone with one word, that is selfie. So, as lowbrow as this may seem, I challenge you to work selfie into the broadcast against the Atlanta Falcons.
3: Well, I'll tell you, Sean, I have a confession to make, Uh oh. and that's uh, in the heat of battle last week, that game against the 49ers was so tense and so taut, I totally forgot to work plethora into the broadcast. and I think probably it was because I truly wasn't challenged, so it didn't really... Uh, get my interest up as much as it should have. So you win the round because I forgot to use Plethora. And of course, it would have been so easy to use. But selfie, sure, I'm aware what selfie is. It, it comes from being able to take a picture of oneself now with the new iPhones and, and such. So selfie is fine. And uh, I will play in our words with friends game. Uh, this one will be a little interesting for you. Yes, sir. Womblecroft.
1: Do I get a spelling? Yes, you do. Yes, sir. <laughs>
3: W A M
1: W A M B L E B L E
3: C R O P T.
1: One more time on the last part. C R O P T C R O Womble cropped. There you go. Holy cow! All <laughs> right. Well, you look at last week however you want, and you spin it however you like. But it seems to me that it's one one now. So
3: I think it is. I look. I concede. I. You know, I'm waving the white flag over last week. I totally forgot to use the word, so I, I certainly can't claim victory. I can't even claim a push on that
1: one. No, that's that's quite all right. But Womblecropped, uh, I will be looking up because as lowbrow as I am, there's no way I have that in my vocabulary. But after this weekend, I will.
3: Yeah, I think you can probably use it on a daily basis. Once you once you learn its origin and once you learn how to use it, what figure of speech it is, I think you can probably work Womblecropped into Pretty much any any conversation you have in the course of a, a course of your daily life.
1: Is, am I going to get in trouble with my wife, boss, and or anyone else if I use this word on a broadcast?
3: No, it is not is not a part of your anatomy. I don't think.
1: <laughs> you so, don't uh,
3: think? No. no. <laughs> so i I think you'll I think you'll be fine with it, and I think you'll astound your co workers.
1: Wow, I, I can't wait. You're raising the level of my career, and I appreciate that, Jim. And uh, I don't think there are any other NBA, NFL word challenges going on currently in the United States. So we actually do, in this world of repetitive uh, stealing and everything else, we have something truly unique to us, whether it's good or not.
3: Whether anybody cares or not or is even interested. (laughs) Fair enough.
1: Have a great call tonight. Hokie guys, John and Christian Garrick, I'm sure we'll be with you as always. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in Atlanta.
3: All right, Sean. Take care, my friend.
1: Safe travels. Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints in Atlanta, getting set for Saints-Falcons tonight. And we'll continue with the voice of the Falcons, West Durham, in just a moment. Take flight
4: with your New Orleans Pelicans for Guys Night Out, presented by Mellow Mushroom on Oak. Guys Night Out happens at home games throughout the season and includes two tickets, two draft beers, two pint glasses, a post-game photo with two dance team members, and a $10 gift card to Mellow Mushroom on Oak for as low as $88. Grab your pals and get on board for the next Guys Night Out on Friday, November 22nd against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Visit pelicans.com for tickets today. Are you ready for health reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready.
5: Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Our conversation here on game day continues. Uh, I don't want to say we go behind enemy lines because everybody says that, and I don't see West Durham as being an enemy, but the voice of the Falcons is West Durham, and for the second time this year he's pleased to join us. I'm pleased to have him, actually, on the Black and Blue Report. Um, here from oh, Atlanta. I'm pleased to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. To be here. Wes, it's, yeah. good, it's good to have you because I know you've got about 10 minutes of free time on a day like this. Um <laughs> You know, when we looked at the schedule, and even when we conversed back in week one, you couldn't help but look at this game on this Thursday night and say, wow, this could go a long way in determining a lot of things. But unfortunately, we're here with an 8-2 and team and a 2-8 and team. Are you surprised yeah. in any way that we're standing at this point?
6: Oh yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we the one thing we always hear about the NFL is the reason that the product is as compelling as it is Sean, is because of the fact that nothing stays the same. And Atlanta's probably as good an example. Houston might be another of uh, of that fact. And you know, this has been a this has been a hard season for the Falcons in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it started actually at the Superdome when they failed to convert down there at the end and and lost the ball game to the Saints and then they came home the next week and played the Rams and you know I've only been doing the NFL games for a decade now but I saw something in week 2 I've never seen and that was six guys leave the field with injury and only one come back and the next day three went to IR so you know that was as devastating as 60 minutes of football as Atlanta's had all year that that Sunday against the Rams in a physical way where mentally the the week 1 loss to New Orleans was probably as devastating as as anything they've seen because it, it, it kind of bent their tide a little bit right there at the start. And so two weeks in you're kinda of playing uphill injury wise and you're playing uphill at one and one and then you go to Miami and you lose late there and then all of a sudden, you know, things have uh things have just really kind of turned south for you. So it's a it's a hard thing for this team and this town really to get its arms around. But the reality of it is is that this season is uh is not going to go to the plan that everybody had had nor the script that everybody had had.
1: So for you, injuries, and especially those early ones, are at the top of this list of this pile of stuff that hasn't gone well?
6: Well, it, it, let me put it to you this way. The injuries, and everybody can say they have injuries. The Saints are no different. I mean, certainly, you know, Vilma's never been on the field for them at all this year. Roman Harper's been banged up, you know, things like that. I mean, every team can say they've got injuries, and I, and I respect that. I would argue, though, that Atlanta's injuries are as debilitating and impactful as anybody in the league, and, and I'll give you two examples. And the obvious one is Julio Jones, leading the league in four categories when he got hurt. Um, you know, he was he was on the way to a—I hate to say—Calvin Johnson type season, but he was headed to that neighborhood, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The the second injury to me that has been the most costly and impactful to Atlanta has been the one to Croy Bierman, and everybody says Croy Bierman. But Atlanta was slowly working its way into a lot of 3-4 look. And, and, Sean, really, Bierman was a turnkey operation in that 3-4 because he had the ability to put his hand on the ground and play in and stand up and get into space. And they would kind of, through the OTAs and the mini camps and the training camps, you could see where, where Croy Beerman was going to be a huge piece of what they did. And so, you know, kind of when that injury occurred, Uh, it it forced Atlanta, in many respects, to take two guys to replace one guy. And even when you do that, you're still not getting the quality of the one guy you had. So those two injuries in particular. Then the, the long loss of Steven Jackson, he was gone five and a half weeks. So the run game just never seemingly fired. Although I will say at times last week in Tampa, despite the score, Steven Jackson looked as good as he's had all year. And then, you know, Roddy White's obviously been down five weeks uh, with the the hamstring, groin, ankle injury. He was never 100%. And I'm and still not sure he's 100%, but he's as close as he's going to be. And So, yeah, I, I think the impact of the injuries, a lot of people have them, but uh, I would contest that Atlanta's, Atlanta's had them in places that, uh, that others have not this year.
1: West, it seems in this series that rarely have both teams been firing on all cylinders, been in contention for something at the same time. They both had – significant mm-hmm. runs but if you if you take just the last 20 some odd years 22 23 years over half the games have been decided by a touchdown or less yeah. so is that a rivalry thing is it something unique to this series between the Falcons and the Saints
6: well and, and we may have talked about this in week one Sean I and I, I, I do believe this now after particularly having been there for week one I, the Saints and Falcons have more collegial feel to it than most you know, and I, and it may have to do with the landscape of where both cities are located and the impact and the passion that the college football has and the, and the passionate fan base and the rivalry of the fact they came to the league within what a year of each other. And they've, uh, they basically have been on the same track ever since, and they've both been incredibly successful in the last decade. Uh, to me, you know, there is a lot of competitiveness about this game. And I, I think the ball game tonight will be competitive. I think Despite where Atlanta is, I think they'll play hard, and I think they'll try and play very, very well. And I know New Orleans will because they've got to keep pace ahead of Carolina, and they've also got to stay in the in the room with Seattle in terms of where the NFC stands. So, you know, I expect the ball game to be to be competitive tonight, and I think it'll be a good ball game. But at the same time, this it won't deviate from the script we've seen in the series here in the last what decade for yeah. sure. And as you yeah. point out, last twenty years it's been that way, and that's a that's a great indicator for for fans of
1: both the Falcons and the Saints. Wes, you, as you're wrapping up your game prep for tonight, and whether it be just in what you're seeing in your notes or conversations with Mr. Archer or anything else, is there something that the Falcons can do tonight that will get the Saints? Is there, is there something that, that will, can work in their favor and keep this a four-quarter game?
6: Um, probably the number one thing they can do is, is, is extend drives. Um, you know, Atlanta has lost a little bit of its offensive punch here, in part because of the injuries and in part because of some of the shuffling and inexperience they've had in the offensive line. The, the, Atlanta's ability tonight to extend drives is going to be pretty important because um, despite some of the uh, preseason concerns about, uh, about having Rob Ryan as defensive coordinator that a lot of people outside New Orleans had, uh, I think the I think the Saints have done a really, really good job of, uh, of, of molding themselves into an outstanding defense. And I, I think the big challenge for Atlanta tonight is not necessarily to match what New Orleans does offensively, but to find a way to extend their own drives. Um, playing New Orleans is tough enough when you start thinking about trying to slow down Drew Brees and all the weapons they've got offensively. But you've got to mind your own store, so to speak, too. And I think that's the biggest challenge Atlanta faces tonight is is making sure they get some offensive momentum going because here's the thing, Sean. If they go three, four possessions in the ball game, and let's say you know they've got three empty possessions and a field goal, meanwhile New Orleans has 21 points, you know Atlanta's going to be pressing the rest of the night. And this team, this particular year, has not been very good when they have to press offensively because of some of the things that have gone on through the course of the first 10 games.
1: Western voice of the Atlanta Falcons on the Black and Blue Report. Today we had Jim Henderson, voice of the Saints. Now Wes, and uh, I will ask you this, Wes. Most importantly to me, I guess, at this hour, uh, where should I be having game day lunch in downtown Atlanta before I head into the Georgia Dome?
6: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a myriad of choices. It kind of depends on what part of the neighborhood you end up in. Uh, you know, that's uh, we're not we're not as vast and as deep as New Orleans, but I would say Atlanta can and go get lunch with the best of them.
1: All right, <laughs> you got you got one for me, or
6: I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna be around the dome, you ought to get over in the midtown area. Um, you know, there are three or four places in the midtown area. Ocean Air is a, a seafood place that's not bad. Uh, it's a little more toward the dinner menu. Uh, front Page News might be your kind of spot, Sean. All right, you strike me as a Front Page News guy. Uh, you know, it's right there on Crescent in the midst of Midtown. A couple of stops on the MARTA from the Dome. That'd that'd probably be a good spot in the road for you today.
1: I'll have a full report for you when I see you at the Dome tonight.
6: (laughs) I look forward to
1: it. All right, Wes Durham, everybody. Thanks so much, Wes. I really appreciate it. Wes Durham, voice of the Atlanta Falcons, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. A little more from Atlanta when we continue in just a moment.
4: Okay. You've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is,
2: I just saw your test results and they look great. No problems.
4: Leading edge care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call one 866 That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind.
5: This is Pelicans forward Ryan Anderson, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back here on the Black and Blue Report. Don't forget Saints-Falcons tonight. Our show circles around that quite a bit as part of our show comes from New Orleans and part from Atlanta on this uh, Thursday morning. Last night, though, at New Orleans Arena, the Pelicans are winners again. They've won two straight at home and are now 4-2 and at home. Um, whether it's a coincidence or not, the two straight wins here at home have been the first two games of the year for Ryan Anderson. I'm teasing you a little bit, um, but your return has been a, a help to this team, and this team starts to play better. Maybe, maybe they're figuring out that it's not just you being back, Ryan, but they're learning how to play
5: together. A new group of guys. Yeah, I think that's huge with this group. Um, you know, being out that many games. Um, you know it it 's tough to not have a team that 's fully together, obviously we still have guys that are still out and hurt but um you know playing with uh, a core group of guys and and really learning uh how each other plays and and getting back into some sort of a rhythm is huge and and uh, I think the past two games we 've really uh we 've done a good job of just getting back into the rhythm of stuff and 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 um for myself, I think um especially with Tyreek on the court I think that uh with combination of me and him it's just really tough for teams to guard that um really spreading the court and giving him a, a, an opportunity to really drive the ball and, and to get open shots and and uh also he he commands so much attention while he'll kick the ball out to me uh, I think that's just a great dimension off the bench and and uh yeah, I mean, we, we've been playing great basketball because we've been sharing the ball and just playing high energy and, and learning and figuring out how we can best play with each other. The first two quarters last night against the Jazz were hard to watch.
1: <laughs> but at the end of it, you were up four and going into the third quarter. Utah comes out, starts the third. They put together a run. I want to say it was 14-4. I, I, I'm, I'm close. Um,
5: how did you guys as a team avoid that, oh, boy, here we go again? I think because we've had so many of those oh boy moments, uh, we want to eliminate those. That's um, that's something we've really talked about a lot in practice. We need to play hard for 48 minutes, and we need to counter um, other teams' runs. Um, that's what happened last time in Utah. We we had a, a lead, and they came back and, and fought their way back into the game and won at Utah. So for us, um, we need to put on runs of our own, but we need to, to – uh, during those moments, we really need to lock in. We need to kind of change the flow of the game and bring it back towards our, our team's uh, play. We need to bring uh, our energy and kind of make ourselves known um, in, in the end of the game, especially when we're fighting um, through a, a team's run or, or, or something like that. So um, we've really just wanted to eliminate playing that kind of basketball where we've got to catch up. And we did a great job of that.
1: Let me ask you this question because this seems to blow me away a little bit. You you break the toe. You missed about three weeks, nine games in all. Um, How are you in shape at this point? I mean, this is an injury that you can't, you know, go hit the treadmill while you're rehabbing. How are you in
5: shape right now? Um, Well, Carlos Daniel, our our strength coach, uh, has – done a great job of of doing uh, a lot of exercise movements without a lot of pounding on my foot um so we like you said we've been eliminating the treadmill a lot but uh um we've been do- going through some pretty intense workouts on the bike and and on um on the elliptical and and different things that just eliminate that sort of pressure and um you know a few days before playing we got out on the court and and uh you know it's hard to test out your lungs when you're not sprinting and when you're not running. So um, I didn't really know what it would be like until that first game. And I kind of told coach, um, you know, leave me out there until you want to sub me or until I pull my jersey because I'm, I, I'm gassed, you know. And I never had a moment like that, that first game. And this game I felt great too. And um, so, I mean, credit it to, to our strength coach. For getting me prepared and ready I guess. Coach said last night after the game somebody asked him about where you were and all that and he said you know
1: he said Ryan hates coming out of the game and he said and I like that so that's what your coach sees in you that maybe you can't even gauge yourself on when
5: you should come out. Yeah it's if I could I mean any any player really just wants to be out there as long as possible and, and uh, for me you know I I want to be out there as much as I can help the team. Obviously, if it's detrimental to the team that I'm out there, I I shouldn't be out there, but um you know, as a basketball player, you know, it's just fun, man. You you want to play, you want to play the whole game if you can. And um and especially with this team, it's so fun to to play with these guys and to to um see what they can do. I mean, it it's pretty incredible the open shots I've been able to have because of Drew and Tyreek and Anthony and, and uh, Jason setting great screens for me. And so, I mean, uh, for me, I I would play the whole game if I could.
1: There's no way. You be honest with me. There's no way you could have told me that your first two games back would go like this for you
5: individually. Uh, there's or, n- or maybe it
1: is. You tell me. <laughs>
5: um, yeah, no. I... I honestly my the first game I just really wanted to come back and and uh really I just wanted to come back and and just help out you know not be not uh be a huge scoring threat or, or all this stuff I just I really wanted to it was sort of a tester to see how my foot was going to be like you said how my shape was going to be and and uh you know I've uh been around this game for a little while now so um just coming back in and and um having experience and being able to just come back in from an injury I've done that before um and it's important just to jump right back in and get back into the flow of the game where everyone else is regardless of if they've played eight more games you know it's important that I come in and I help the team coming back so um yeah I I didn't really expect to be able to be um getting open shots like I am and and uh knocking them down but uh yeah, I mean, I credit to the team and, um, yeah, my teammates.
1: Ryan Anderson with us here on the Black and Blue Report. One more question before I let you go. Um, <clears throat> has, the, has the sub-500 start to the season gnawed at this team? And, and if so, does a win tomorrow <laughs> night against Cleveland, a perfect homestand and back to 500 kind of erase that or, or get you past that?
5: Um, in some ways, I think so. I, I think it's been really tough to, to start the season off the way we have because we we had a great preseason. And I think that we just expect so much better out of ourselves. You know, in those, those games we lost, like the last time we played uh, at Utah, uh, that was a team we should have beat. That's a team where we had a large lead on and we kind of I think it was a bit of a disappointment how we finished off the game. So uh, those those losses are heartbreakers. You know, those are ones that uh, you battle so hard to get a big lead and then you just give it up and you lose. Um, those take a lot out of you, and we had a lot of games like that to start the season. So um, I think that uh, getting a winning streak and getting back into the way that we need to play and, and uh, working hard in practice and, and – um, just playing more consistent is just really going to build up the confidence of this team even more. And we're going to be – I just know we're going to be great. Um, we're playing really well right now, but we're going to be – I think consistency is going to make us great, and I, I could see that soon. As always, I enjoyed our visit.
1: And uh, it's been a pretty good week so far. hope it continues for you. Yep, definitely. We just got to keep winning. Ryan Anderson, the New Orleans Pelicans, are back in action tomorrow night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, a win tomorrow night would be a perfect homestand and back to 500 here to start the season at what we would hope to be six and six I think yes anyway we're back to wrap up today's show John DeShazer joins us from Atlanta as the Saints get set for the Falcons tonight and uh, we'll be right back in a minute
0: hey there what you have
4: um what kind of specials do you have today
0: Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs.
4: Wait, what?
0: Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde
4: martini... Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org.
0: It's Saints game day. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Final segment of the Black and Blue Report before I head to the airport and catch an airplane to Atlanta. Let's go to Atlanta for you and pick up with a senior writer from NewOrleansSaints.com. That's John Deshazer, uh, buddy. We've had a great show. We've already had Ryan Anderson, Wes Durham, and Jim Henderson on today. So you're the anchor. You're bringing up the you're bringing up the parade here uh, to finish you're up the show put the today. Pressure
3: on me like that. Huh?
1: I know. I know. All right, give me the uh see set the scene for me. Atlanta today. Game day. How were the how was the Saints travel yesterday? Is all normal and well?
2: Yeah, everything smooth. Everything went according to plan. Uh really the biggest thing is that uh, the Saints are coming in here and expecting uh expecting an ambush of some sort. I mean, the Falcons are 2 and 8. They're not going anywhere. Um, you know, their playoff hopes and you know, dreams are dashed and you know, but you know, they are playing a team that they can't stand in the Saints and so hopefully for them, you know, their their thing is, you know, let's see if we can can do something to kinda, you know, put a damper on the Saints season. The Saints are obviously a game up on Carolina and the NFC South and uh and they're trying to hold on before they you know and, and win a division title and hopefully get some, some you know good seeding for the playoffs and the Falcons would love nothing more than to, to to take some of that away from the same that Saints were last year when they played the Falcons. I mean the same season you know Saints ended up seven and nine, Falcons ended up winning winning the division, and you know the Saints were in a position where they wanted to play spoilers, so you know we reversed those roles, and that's where we are.
1: John, the more i I, I try to boil down or distill this whole thing it, it it just keeps coming back to Steven Jackson. Is that the linchpin for tonight's game, Steven Jackson?
3: Well, pretty much. I mean,
2: because, you know, the Falcons don't have Julio Jones, so that takes away from their passing attack, even though Harry Douglas is is a pretty good receiver, you know, as a number three, and you stick him into the the lineup, and he's not bad as a number two if you're going to have Roddy White, who's healthy, and and Tony Gonzalez at tight end. But, you know, Falcons have had difficulty running the football. That's been a big problem of theirs. Now, I will say this also, you know, to uh, let Steven Jackson and the offense off the hook just a little bit, they've given away a slew of points Um, last three a home games, if I'm not mistaken, they've allowed an average of 31 points, and so that's not going to win you a whole lot of football games. So they've fallen down defensively, and that was one of the places where they had hoped to have some improvement this season. Them um, certainly they hadn't scored the way they, the way an offense with Matt Ryan at quarterback would expect to score. But when you're giving away, when you're hemorrhaging points like that uh, with those young cornerbacks, and and, and they really have. Have had some issues at linebacker. In fact, uh, they're probably still looking to replace Curtis Lawson who's now with the Saints, and uh, and they just haven't gotten the, the the pressure on the quarterback that they expected. I, I you know with that unit led by you know Osi Yura. so they've had some problems defensively. Now, granted, you know again as you mentioned, their offense with Steven Jackson was supposed to be better and, and having him in and out of the lineup and hurt for a majority of the season has not helped because he was supposed to be the guy who was gonna be a major upgrade over Michael Turner. Michael Turner, Michael Turner could get you those, you know, tough three and a half yards, but Steven Jackson was supposed to be able to get you the three and a half plus another two on top of it because he, you know, had a better burst and, you know, just a younger back and, you know, probably a little bit better a little bit better runner and, and a receiver also. But he has not put up this season. He's been injured and he has had not had not had anywhere near the season that they had hoped he would have. So, you know, a lot of their offense, yes, goes down to Steven Jackson not being available and not playing well when he's been out
1: there. John DeShazer with us here, wrapping up black and blue report with us. Uh JD, what's on NewOrleansSaints.com? What do you have up there that folks maybe uh can get their arms around today in preparation for tonight's game?
2: Well, uh, just a light prep day uh, the five things to look for in the night's game. Um you can look that down and you know, I know, you know, I like to number things off so and there are five things that are going to be interesting to look at, including uh, Corey White stepping in at cornerback for the Saints, and uh, and certainly the, you know them looking for the Falcons playing a spoiler role. And and, and uh, later on in the day, folks want to check out uh, check out Northern Saints.com, obviously because yourself and myself will be on there for our game preview pregame uh, uh, over at the Georgia Dome. So you know they'll have plenty to look for all day long from us.
1: Will you have your uh, your exclusive game day visit with head coach uh, Sean Payton today?
2: Well, exactly. You know, that's where he allows me to um, make uh, chart out the first play of the game, as he, uh, you know, has allowed <laughs> me to do the rest of the season. So we look forward to that. I think I'm going to go with the triple reverse, you know, double touch pass, and uh, we'll see how that
1: catches the Falcons. That, that that won't take any time to develop or anything. I mean, really. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, no, you, you will visit with Coach today, as as you have been all season.
2: Yeah, we will. We'll, yeah. we'll uh, visit with him exclusively all know on com. He's been extremely uh, accommodating and, and very uh, forthcoming with those with those game exclusives, so we look forward to having another one with him
1: today. All right. All right. Very good. John Shazer in Atlanta. I'll join you shortly, partner. Um, I'm off to the airport as soon as we get done with this interview, so uh, enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, go Saints tonight.
6: Well, they go
2: Saints tonight. I'm glad you pulled the Pels through last night, and hopefully uh, we both can help, help pull them through Friday night.
1: Yeah, I don't see my name on the box score here, though. I mean, I did all that well, work yeah. last night, and I'm not—I don't find myself here on the Pelicans box score. Um,
2: well, you know, there's, there's always that—you know—guy who's behind the scenes who they just—you know—they, you know—they you know, forget that guy, and you know, hopefully they'll do a little bit better job of, of coming through on that.
1: Yeah, uh, producer Dan's going to write some knucklehead note here on the box score. Yeah, he just wrote down my name. That's cute. I appreciate that.
5: <laughs> all right, JD, see have you. a
1: great day. We'll see you tonight. Uh, YouTube you That's John DeShazer, a senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. As John mentioned, all that content for you, it's yours today on NewOrleansSaints.com. It's game day as the Saints take on the Atlanta Falcons. i got to get out of here. That's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Tomorrow, complete the Saints wrap for you, Pelicans preview, and a fantasy football insider Michael Fabiano from the NFL Network. That's the Friday Black and Blue Report. What a week. Maybe our best week yet, producer Dan. It's been a good one, that's for sure. All right, I'm off to the Georgia Dome to see the Saints and the Falcons. You, yourself, enjoy the rest of this game day. Thanks again for joining us. And until later on today, so long for just a while.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.